Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 209 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined this week, as always, by the elusive Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how are you doing? I'm good, Joey. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Right, let's dive straight into the review part of the show. Um, I am hoping that we don't have any sound issues. Sometimes it might sound a little bit um, like in the background there's um, like a kind of... I don't really know how to describe the uh, the noise. Maybe like a little white noise in the background sometimes. That is because Ayaz has damaged his laptop, so we're having a couple of minor issues. Hopefully, they don't bother anyone too much. But we're not going to go in too deep on the you know the 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 review part of the show. We're going to just keep it kind of light, so it shouldn't take too long this week's show. We're going to start in Italy at the Palatrento. Um, two fights, I believe, to mention over here. Firstly. The top of the bill, Fabio Turchi. He was a big favourite going in against Tommy McCarthy. Tommy McCarthy, fifteen and two going in, and Turchi seventeen and oh. Like I say, Turchi was known a little bit to the British fans if you saw him beat Tony Conquest a few months ago. Um, the fight ended up with a split decision over twelve rounds in favour of Tommy McCarthy, the big underdog. It was for the WBC International Cruiserweight title, so you'd expect now um, Tommy McCarthy. To get a world rank in there in the top 15 with the WBC, perhaps. Um, and it's really what his career needed because Tommy McCarthy's had a couple of losses. You know, like I mentioned, he's got the two losses. He's been a bit unlucky. He's got a lot of ability, but I feel like he, thus far in his career, has underachieved. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk of him being a top, top fighter when he was undefeated. And, you know, a few a few bad nights have, have cost him. A lot of people have, have stopped talking about him now. But this win here, you know, is the biggest win of his career. So hopefully he can build from that. Uh, best of luck to him. Um, also on that bill, we got to see... Um, Francesco Grandelli, 12-1 and with one draw going in. Another split decision, but this time in favour of the home fighter Grandelli. He was able to beat our very own Reese Bellotti. His record now 14-3. and um, He looked a little bit flat, to be honest, Bellotti. It was for the WBC International Silver Featherweight title. Um, not quite sure, again, where Reese Bellotti goes from here. Um, you know, when he was Commonwealth champion, he looked brilliant early on and... For whatever reason, it just seems like he's he's just just gone down here a little bit. Unfortunately, Reese Bellotti. I really really like him though. Um, you know, I think he's got a a real well paid job outside of boxing, but he just loves to fight. So he puts it all on hold to box, and you know he's a guy that doesn't do it for the money. You know, in this day and age, not many fighters. You know, I like that. It's it's good to see a guy like him who's had many big opportunities on big shows and stuff like that, and he's completely doing it 
for the love of the sport. That's what Reese Bellotti does. Credit to him, but another bad night, unfortunately, if we're being completely honest. Uh, moving out now to the Ulster Hall in Belfast, Northern Ireland, United Kingdom. Um, how many fights do we have over here? Perhaps perhaps two. Yeah, just two, I think. A uh, friend of the show, former world champion Terry Flanagan, he picked up win number 35. Of course, he's got the two losses to Regis Progray and Maurice Hooker. No shame in those. Uh, he got a win against Michael Anser, who's now 17-10 and 10 with two draws. Anser was actually disqualified in the fourth round of a scheduled eight. Anser had a point deducted in the third round for hitting after the break, and he did exactly the same thing in the following round, and that was it. He was thrown out of there so Terry Flanagan picks up a win um, and topping the bill a brilliant brilliant fight here between Jay Harris and Paddy Barnes um, I think it was the third round I think that was the round where I honestly thought it was an argument there for round of the year um, it was for the vacant IBF intercontinental flyweight title again Jay Harris was cut above his right eye in the third round Barnes was down from a left to the body and um, that was in the third and of course he was he was knocked out in the fourth round Paddy Barnes another another blistering body shot for him to take and he couldn't he couldn't do it in the end i mean we we did go to the predictions on this the listeners favored paddy barnes really big i was quite surprised um i as you also went with barnes to win that one i went with harris on points because i didn't think he'd probably have the power actually to get barnes out of there and i felt like it'd be a very motivated barnes um perhaps it was you know he he did show heaps and heaps of courage in that fight paddy barnes um you know he fought fire with fire when he was hurt and you know, there, there, there were some real exciting moments, but you've got to be honest now, Paddy Barnes, um, you know, Olympic bronze medalist, very, 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 very good amateur, turned over, a lot of people were saying he's a future world champion for sure, and it's just gone horribly wrong so quickly, so his record now is 6-3. and three. And I mean, you've got to you've got to probably encourage him to hang him up. I mean, he hasn't took many, you know, many big punches to the head or anything since turning pro. Most of his shots that have that have hurt him and stopped him have been body shots. So it's not like he's took heaps of punishment upstairs. It's very much been body shots. But I don't know what he needs to do. I mean, he probably. You know, he's, he's filled with ego and pride and stuff like that. Being a top amateur, he thought he'd he'd be a top pro, and it's just gone completely wrong, like I say. But um, a brilliant win for Jay Harris, now 17-0. and Looks like a real threat, I've got to be honest. I'd love to see him mix it with an Andrew Selby. I'd love to see him mix it with a Sonny Edwards, though I don't see that happening because I think both guys are friends. Uh, Paddy Barnes, I would have liked to have seen him in there with someone like a Sonny Edwards or, again, like an Andrew Selby. There's lots and lots of domestic fights that can be made there at flyweight we want to see those fights but jay harris ticking all the boxes really could be one to watch it's amazing it's amazing anyone who listens from wales i don't know what it is i don't know what it is if it's something in the water over there or whatever but i tell you what in wales for such a small place they don't produce some serious talent i mean it is incredible some of the best fighters ever have been from wales in terms of british fighters they've been welsh like a joe Calzaghi. you know um there's only been a, a short list of names actually um um british or, or sorry welsh world champions there's a short list of names barry jones of course one of those names on the short list but i tell you what they have they've provided some brilliant talent over the last you know the last sort of i'd say 50 years something like that they've had tremendous fires um 
Anyway, moving on, let's move out now to Connecticut at the Connecticut Convention Center. Um, let's start here with Chad Dawson. He topped the bill. Um, in fact, he's the only fight to mention on the bill. He's now 36-5. and five. It was a unanimous decision win over eight rounds. He completely shut out uh, Dennis Grachev, who's now 19-9 and nine with one draw. That was, for the, that was for the vacant WBC United States light heavyweight title. Um, sorry, I, I said just one fight. There is a second fight I should mention. Friend of the show, Cassius Cheney, picked up win number 17, a First round knockout against Santanda Silgado, who's now twenty eight and eight. Um, Cassius Cheney, again a, a heavyweight that that I think I probably interviewed back in twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen. No, twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. Very very early days of the podcast, and I got on really well with him. I remember after the interview finished, we were talking for quite some time. We couldn't get off the phone, and. Um, I thought, you know what, I want to pay attention to him because I know he'd sparred some good fighters at the time. I think he was over here with the Furies for a little while. And um, he sparred a lot of top guys. He was signed to main events. I remember we had Kathy Duver on the show talking just a little bit about him. And he's just been winning and winning and winning. He's been knocking people out along the way. And this one was a highlight real knockout. It really was a contender for knockout of the year. So shout out to Cassius Cheney. Definitely one to watch. Real, real lovely guy. And we wish him the best for the future. Uh, moving out now to the first direct arena in Leeds, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. I as I'm going to start here with the undercard. A few fights just to go over. Um, what did we have? What did we have? Mark Heffron, actually. A brilliant win for him. Um, it was his 24th win. He's got the one loss, of course, to Liam Williams, I believe it was. Um, was it Liam Williams? I think it was. Well, anyway, he took on Rui Pavanito, a guy that's been in there with the likes of Martin Murray and Craig Richards. Both men went the distance with Pavanito, by the way. His record's 10-9 and nine with one draw. It doesn't look too great, but they couldn't do anything with him, and Pavanito had big moments against Craig Richards. Um, I didn't see the Martin Murray fight, but I think that was quite a tough one as well. And Mark Heffron's got in there and knocked him out in a round, so that's a huge statement there, even though, again, people are not going to know this name, Pavanito, you know, if 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 you don't follow the sport too closely, his records now ten and ten with a draw. It doesn't look too great, but believe me, that is a statement there to stop him in one round. He's a tough guy from Portugal. There, uh, Troy Williamson moved to twelve and zero with one draw. It was a TKO in the seventh round against Ben Douglas, who was actually undefeated two and zero himself. He loses his O there now two and one. He was down twice in the fight. Shabazz Masood, another guy that. Certainly seems to be one to watch. Ben Davison, um, you know, has, has talked about him before. I think he's trained by Asgi, who was part of Team Fury. Shabazz Masood now 6-0. and It was a, a six-round points win against Yezna Talavera, who's now 15 and... And, and 12 with one draw. It was a complete shutout there for Masood. So, like I say, one to watch for the future there. Uh, Lyndon Arthur picked up a win. He's now 16-0. and A unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Emmanuel Anim, who's now 14-3 and with one draw. It wasn't a walk in the park, though, for Arthur. He was cut above the left eye in the eighth round. Um, Anim had some big moments, you know, even though he was cut on his left and right eye. He was down in the fourth round as well. He gave a real, real, real hard task there to Arthur. And it wasn't easy. Like I say, it was for the vacant Commonwealth light heavyweight title. Arthur 
had to had to really dig deep there. And to be honest, he showed he's got that grit, which which you know is a good thing to have early on in your career. He's ticked a box there. Uh, also on the bill, Zelfa Barrett picked up win number twenty three. He's got that one loss, of course, um, to Ronnie Clark. It was a TKO here in the ninth round against Jordan McCory, the guy with the biggest set of balls in the super featherweight division domestically. He's now eighteen and seven with one draw. McCory was down three times in the fight, and he had one point deducted at the end of the eighth round uh, for, for punching after the bell. Zelfa Barrett, we knew he was going to win the fight, to be honest. Obviously, McCory didn't have much notice when he took on Sam Bowen. He got stopped. Um, he, he fought Archie Sharp. Archie didn't stop him. He went the distance. Zelfa Barrett's not known for his knockout power, so I expected Jordan McCory to probably survive the distance. I thought that uh, Zelfa Barrett would, would win quite wide on points, but no, credit to him, like I say, for getting him out of there. Again, the body shots was the factor here. I think all three knockdowns were from body shots. Again, it was for the Commonwealth Super Featherweight title. Um, Again, Zelfa Barrett, one of the very best we've got at Super Featherweight. I'd love to see some big fights for him down the line with Archie Sharp and Sam Bowen. Um, we did go to the predictions on that one once again. We all went with Barrett on points, so we all got that one wrong, along with the Harrison Barnes fight. So, not doing well at the moment there on the predictions. Um... But yeah, Zelfa Barrett reminds me a little bit of Chris Eubank Jr. I did tweet this out, and I just I, I just want to kind of back up why I said it. I said it because Chris Eubank Jr. is not known for his knockout power, really. I know he's got a few stoppages from uh, cumulative shots and stuff like that, but he's not really known for his one-punch power. Zelfa Barrett, again, not known as a big puncher, but just the way that both men whip the shots in, it looks so vicious. They look even more vicious than perhaps a puncher would, would rip a shot in, you know? I know Golovkin looks looks like a devastating puncher all the time, but his shots don't always travel a long way, and that's probably what, what I'm getting at here, that the shots that Zelfa Barrett lands, they come from a long, long way, they look absolutely vicious, and of course, um, you know, Eubank Jr. does the same thing, you just wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of any of those shots, but no, credit to Zelfa Barrett, um, probably does hit a lot harder than his record suggests, I'd like to know now if Jordan McCory still says Archie Sharp is the strongest and the, the you know, the hardest puncher out of out of the guys he's boxed. So uh, I'd like to like to see if he thinks that that's still the same. Or does Zelfa hit harder or is Zelfa stronger? It'd be interesting to know the answer to that question. Um, and topping the bill, Josh Warrington, I has now 30-0. A perfect record. Um, a second round TKO against Sofiane Takuch. It was for Warrington's IBF World Featherweight title. A defense there for him. Um, Takuch down twice in that second and final round. His record now 35-4 and with one draw. It was his big 40th fight, but it wasn't to be his night in the end. Um... To be honest, Ayaz, it was a bit of a formality. We knew that it was a step down in terms of the recent opponents Warrington's took on. Like I say, credit to him. Frampton, Warrington, sorry, Warrington, Frampton, Galahad, and um, and Selby, all in a row, pretty much. I think I've said it the wrong way around, but, you know, tough, tough fights. He was, he was due a little easy touch, and that's what it was, really. But he did look impressive, because, again, he's not known for his power, Warrington, but he got the stoppage. It seems like that was a bit of a fashion um, last weekend. I mean, it was a great performance for uh, Josh Warrington, obviously. Um, we, he's, not, he's not known for his knockout power, and his great stoppage as well. And, obviously, like you said as well, previously, like you said just now, um, he's been on a crazy run. He's beaten Selby, went beating uh, Frampton. He'd, uh, he's beaten Kid Galahad. The two two former uh, two former champions and uh, one 
uh, world title challenger. And you can tell they've been very. He's he's had a very difficult. He's had three difficult fights. Now I think it's for him is to have a unification fight. They have they did they did say about something about Gary Russell Jr. But he only fights once a year. Or there was there was another fight I can't remember his name. What Frank Warren said um, for the WBA, and I think that'd be a very good fight. Yeah, I mean, Leo Santa Cruz, a guy they've been trying to get in the ring for a while. We will be speaking to Shakur Stevenson later on in the show. I'll definitely put it to him as he's fighting for the vacant WBO title that, of course, Oscar Valdez recently vacated. Um, But yeah, you're right, you know. Uh, Warrington seems to really thrive as well under his Leeds fans they seem to lift him and all of his shots were perfectly timed I mean he was a level above as we knew but it was still a statement to stop a guy like that that early when you know the guy had never been stopped and yeah you're right I want to I want a quick turnaround really I want to see Warrington out early next year perhaps January or February and yeah make the big fights you know he did he did earn himself an easy touch and he, he made it look too easy. So, very, very impressive again from Warrington. Um, I think he'd become the fighter of the year or whatever in Britain. I, I don't know if it was a Boxing Writers Award or something like that. I can't remember what it was now. I think he got an award and he deserves it. And he's proved it once again that he's a he's a brilliant champion. And he's going to be a very hard man to beat. But swiftly moving on now to the Wintrust Arena in Chicago, Illinois, USA. And Eddie Hearn show. Um... Right, a couple of fights to mention. Um, Anthony Sims Jr. picked up a win, a TKO in the sixth round. He's now 20-0. and 0. That one was against Morgan Fitch, who's 19-4 and 4 with a draw. Anthony Sims Jr., a guy, again, that I really want to see stepped up. Uh, also on the bill, Jessica McCaskill against Erica Farias. Um, the first fight they had, I think, was a real barn burner. The second fight ended up being a majority decision in favor of McCaskill again. She's now 8-2. and 2. Um... That one was for the WBC and WBA World Female Super Lightweight titles. Erica Farias now 26-4. and four. Uh, Also on the bill, TJ Doheny. He moved 22-1. A TKO for him in the sixth round against Jesus Martinez, who's now 26-10. and 10. Again, Doheny certainly... Um, you know, a guy that we want to see in the bigger fights. Very, very classy fighter, Doheny from Ireland. Uh, also on the bill, Ofer Jones Jr. Didn't look too great, to be honest. Um, a majority decision over four rounds against Eric Mamriquez, who had a losing record, 7-8 and eight with one draw going in, now 7-9. and nine. Um, Ofer Jones got the win, but it wasn't easy, and that was quite shocking to think how good of an amateur Jones was. Perhaps he's taking his time on that transition from amateur to pro. Um, and the two main events on this bill, these are the last two fights to mention. Um, Dimitri Bivol, a win for him, now 17-0. A unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Lenin Castillo, now 20-3 and with one draw. A complete shutout there for Bivol, a defense successful with, of his WBA World Light Heavyweight title. Um, not that impressive, I as, for a... I was going to say for a casual fan, and I, I almost want to say for a hardcore fan as well, to be honest. He seems like technically a brilliant fighter, exceptional technical fighter, but he doesn't seem to want to put his foot on the gas when he doesn't need to. I don't think he cares too much about what the crowd or what the fans think about him. It's very much safety first with Bivol. And I respect that to a degree. I said that. I really do like the Klitschko's for, for you know, not really caring about what fans wanted. He, they're not going to, you know, risk getting knocked out to try and chase a knockout themselves. I do respect that to a certain level, but 
Klitschko, I'd like to think, made fights a little bit more interesting than Bivol did the other night. And Bivol is a friend of the show. I think he's arguably the best fighter at 175, but it was very hard to watch at times. Um, someone tweeted out, I, I really should mention who it was because I've forgotten, and they deserve a mention actually, but someone tweeted that Dimitri Bivol's like a Ferrari that only goes 50 mile an hour. And I think that's a brilliant tweet, to be honest, because you know he's got the goods, you know he's legit, but it, sometimes he just doesn't connect with his killer instinct. He doesn't go looking for the knockout when he perhaps could get it. And uh, Lenin Castillo managed to go the distance. He's a tough guy, so it's not really a surprise. But um, you just feel like Bivol could have done a bit more to impress, but then again, he did win every round, so without knocking someone out, that is the best thing you can do, so a bit of, uh, a bit, a bit critical from me, but also a bit, um, a bit of love as well, you know, a bit of appreciation for true boxing. Yeah, I mean, it was a good, perf- I mean, it was an average performance by Dimitri Bivol, but I mean, he was, he's, I don't know what to say about him, to be fair, because I mean, it wasn't the best performance, obviously he got one knockdown, but I mean, He's, he got the win. They did say there is something about talking about him versus Josh, Josh Boatsy. Yeah, I mean, that's a fight that I, I would love to see. Um, you know, Boatsy's been talked about, like I say, as, as, a, as a definite future world champ. So bring it on, you know, bring it on. And a fight, well, a performance like that the other night, a fight like that the other night will probably get people saying, Do you know what, Boatsy's got a real good chance. In my honest opinion, I don't think that Boatsy would be able to to win that fight, I, I don't think it's that competitive, but I could be wrong, and I'd love to see, I'd love Buatzi to win, again, I grew up on the same estate as Buatzi, um, I want to see him succeed in the sport, but, you know, one step at a time, and he knows that he's a smart guy, he's, his team are a smart team, so, should be interesting, but it might just be a bit too early there for Buatzi, um, you know, there's there's a lot of good fights that can be made. How about Anthony Yard against a Bivol? You know, that'd be interesting. Um, but the main event here, Ayaz, the heavyweight debut of Alexander Usyk, now 17-0. and 0. His opponent, Chaz Witherspoon, pulled out after seven rounds. I don't really think he, he wanted to know anymore. He had the, um, I suppose, the stubbornness beaten out of him as the fight went on. Um, it was it was really all Usyk. I mean, he got caught here and there with the odd shot. Witherspoon's a big guy. Um, he's a little bit crafty as well with a spoon, a lot craftier than what he got given credit for going in. A whole a whole heap of wins, thirty eight and three with a spoon, now thirty eight and four. So as a pro, he's a lot more experienced than Alexander Usyk, and he showed Alexander Usyk perhaps something Usyk hasn't seen for a while. You know that true craftiness, that experience. And to be honest, Witherspoon's or Witherspoon's, um, talking of pubs now, <laughs> Witherspoon's judge of distance was quite impressive for a guy that I was expecting to be quite rusty um, and you know out of shape and you know old. I think he's first. 37, 38 years of age. Um, but again, Usyk had an operation. Usyk was out of the ring for a long time. I think it was almost a year. Um, you know, I, I did say on last week's show, Usyk could perhaps blow him out real early or he could carry him rounds. And to me, it seemed like he did the latter. It seemed like he wanted to bank those rounds. He wanted to shake off the ring rust and he did it. So it wasn't the most impressive thing in the world because he didn't starch him like Deontay Wilder would. You know, it wasn't the most impressive thing in the world because he didn't play with him and, and you know, start kissing him when they were in close like Fury did. But it was a workmanlike performance and it was a professional kind of performance you know he controlled everything he won every round and he just had a little look at him he, he had a little look at him he gave him a couple of chances and 
that that was what he wanted to do. You know, he wanted to take a few shots, I guess, off the big guy, see what the power's like, and it was a it was a fine toe dipping, if you like, of the heavyweight division for U6. So. People are getting on the bandwagon of, of hate, as they always do. You know, if they're not impressed with one performance, all of a sudden he's absolutely useless. Bellew was beating him. Fury's going to beat him easy. I, I read nothing into that. You know, boxing fans seem to have real short memories. Um, thankfully, we don't, Ayaz. Um, I I wouldn't say I was overly impressed. It just was what it was. It was, it was, it was a good enough performance to beat Chaz Witherspoon, who, you know, like I say, had more experience, only had a couple of losses, was unbeaten for a number of years. I'm 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 okay with it. It didn't excite me in any way, but it was what it was. I'm okay with it. No complaints, no over the top celebrations really. How did you think that Usyk looked yourself? I mean, it was a great, I mean, it was um it was a standard performance of Alexander Usyk. I mean, obviously it was his first uh, step up at heavyweight uh, in the heavyweight division. We've seen him fight a cruiserweight where he, um where he annihilate everyone. But uh, like now, I want him to be stepped up. I want to see. I want him. I would like to see that for him fight that Carlos Takam again. I think that'd be a very good fight. Yeah, fight that we never got to see. Um, yeah, he did annihilate everyone at cruiserweight. To be honest with you, um, I think because he, I think it's the WBO. I think he he becomes mandatory pretty much when he wants to with the WBO. So a lot of people are saying he's going to probably wait on the. The, the Ruiz and Joshua fight, and whoever wins that fight, he will then trigger his mandatory and, and have to fight for the for the WBO belt. Um, again, would you want to, you know, if you if you had the WBA, IBF, and WBO belts, would you probably just vacate one to not fight Usyk, perhaps? So Usyk might end up fighting for a vacant belt, which is going to be a bit annoying. But um, the future will, will, will pan out as it does. Um... I think that's everything, though, for the for the uh, for the for the review part. Yeah, it is. That's everything for the review part of the show. We're we're mildly impressed with Usyk, if you like. We want to see him stepped up, and I'm sure the next fight will be with a big, big name. You know, again, you you can't really, you know, bash him for taking on Witherspoon. It was a real short notice job. He had four days for that fight. You know, that's that's a tough thing to do for both men. For both men. Um, credit to both men. That is everything, though, like I say, for the review part of the show. Just before we wrap up part one, the first thing to do is to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Olympic silver medalist and undefeated professional. It is, of course, Mr. Shakur Stevenson. Shakur, welcome back on the show, my friend. What's up, what's up, what's up? What's up, what's up? So, Shakur, we last caught up in July. Uh, it was right before the, uh, I think it was the Manzanilla fight at the time, which obviously didn't end up happening. In the end, you boxed Alberto Guevara. Um, you know, you made really easy work of Guevara, a guy who had so much more pro experience than yourself. You know, he went the distance with Leo Santa Cruz, with Emmanuel wow. Rodriguez, with the huge punch in Hugo Ruiz. Those guys couldn't knock him out. Yamanaka did stop him, but that was late in the fight. You know, all these guys are established elite world level world level fighters. You stopped Guevara though in three rounds. Talk to me about that fight and of course the impression you've made once again that your future is super duper exciting, young man. <laughs> I mean, uh that was a hometown fight, it was a good fight. I, I guess he took it on short notice, so I didn't really like look at it like no no crazy big fight. But uh I kinda felt like I did what I was supposed to do and now we on to the next. 
on to the next. And, um, you know, last time we spoke, you, you started to laugh when I mentioned the possible Oscar Valdez fight. You wanted it, but the powers that be didn't want that fight to happen for whatever reason. You do, however, now have the chance to fight for his vacated WBO featherweight world title. How does it feel to get a chance here, Shakur, to become the youngest world champion right now in boxing? I mean, it's so uh, great. That's kind of like uh, one of my goals that I wanted to complete. And uh, it's not just about winning the title, it's about keeping it. So uh, I'm kind of excited, but I know that uh, i got to stay level-headed. Absolutely. And, um, you know, this uh, I kind of hate to bring this up. If it's a bit sensitive, we don't have to really go into it, Shakur. But, um, you know, you've obviously just recently lost your father. The biggest fight of your life is coming up, and this happens just a few weeks out from the fight. The timing couldn't have been much worse. Uh, trying to get a positive out of a negative, will you be able to use your father as perhaps some more added motivation moving forward, Shakur? I mean, I kind of feel like I got all the motivation that I need, so I don't think that that's going to make me more motivated than what I uh, already am. So, I mean, stuff happens, but at the end of the day, I still got to stay focused and do what I do. Yeah, absolutely. And like I say, I uh, I, I can only just imagine what you know what that must have been like for you very sorry to hear the, the awful news the fight does take place though in reno october 26th what do you know about joet gonzalez shakur because a lot of guys over here don't really know too much about him but you know he's, he's he's a very good fighter yeah he's a good fighter uh he's actually like uh it was like a prospect list not too long ago i think i was like number four in there he was on that same list like top prospect or top uh, fighters 25 and under so uh, he's definitely a good fighter and uh, I'm going to beat him as a fighter come October 26 and you know he's boxed a few guys that you know, that, that are at a decent level. I don't think... I mean, this is obviously his, his, his big fight. I mean, you've you've boxed a few guys, I'd say, that are there or thereabouts kind of world level. Do you see this as the, the toughest fight? I know there's obviously a world title at stake here, but is this the toughest fight of your pro career or have you boxed guys that perhaps, you know, had a had a bigger threat going in? Uh, nah, I think this is my toughest fight of my pro career, and I think this is uh, his toughest fight also. Uh, I can't really tell you that much. Like, like I know, I think that it's a tough fight, but I think that Chris Diaz was tough too, though. So Yeah, I mean, we'll see who better. Virial Simeon was supposed to be a tough one, but obviously you, you won that in fantastic fashion as well. Um, you know, Joe has actually, this is just for the listeners, if they don't already know, Joe has, has got a brilliant track record against Southpaw yeah. since he's turned pro. He's knocked every Southpaw out. That he's, yeah, he's knocked every Southpaw out that he's boxed within the within the first five rounds or something. I think he's boxed about five or six. Yeah, but... They haven't been you, though. <laughs> but, as I was say, it's a big difference from like a normal Southpaw and somebody who actually know what they're doing. Exactly, exactly. And Shakur, I want to get your reaction to last weekend's fight, if you watched it at all, between Warrington and Takuch. Uh, did you happen to see it at all? I watched the uh, highlight, but that was another fight. I kind of didn't think uh, he was on Josh Warrington's level at all. Like, I felt like that was an easy fight. Uh, he did what he was supposed to do, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, he had three back-to-back pretty tough fights, you know, Frampton, Selby, and... Yeah, yeah, he deserved yeah. he des- he a fight like that, so... But I kind of just felt like we can't look at no fight like that and be like, okay, uh, he can do something with, with me or something, because I feel like that's a two different levels. I feel like uh, when me and him fight, 
Uh, well, I hope after this fight, Gaethje can fight, basically. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because Warrington has come out and actually said he believes world champions are seeming to run scared of him. Um, I think he mentioned uh, Leo Santa Cruz and Oscar Valdez, like they want to move up in weight to stay away from him. Um, I know that you're you're not you're not going to do that. You know, you've you've talked about that fight being one of interest to you. Um, I think that was at the stage though where you were kind of unsure which world title you were going to get at the time. You, you wanted to to go down one of the four main routes. You didn't really care who you had to box to become world champion. Should you win and become WBO world champion, is that still a fight that interests you, or was it purely because he had a belt at the time? Uh, most definitely, I feel like. Uh... Like he's saying, like a lot of champions going up, whatever. I don't, I don't pay no mind to that. Uh, after this fight, I kind of, I'm ready to move up to 130. But if I can fight him, I will stay and fight him, and we can unify. But if I can't get like no big fight after this, I, I don't want to be at 126 too long. Okay, interesting. But I definitely uh would love to fight Josh Warren. I've been saying, I've been calling him out since when I, when I uh, knocked out that kid in uh, Omaha. I've been calling him out since then, like so. I kind of feel like that would be a big fight. We could, it could be in England, it could be in New York, Vegas, wherever. Um, I feel like I'm going to dominate him. Like He's not on my level. I'd love to see that fight. And finally, coming down to the last couple of questions, Shakur, um, I'm asking this question to everybody right now. Joshua versus Ruiz, the rematch, Saudi Arabia, December 7th. Who wins the rematch in your opinion, my friend? I got Anthony Joshua. He slipped up and made some mistakes in that last fight. Uh, and people forget that before that, before Andy Ruiz got him hurt, Joshua had him hurt first, and he had dropped him first. So I think uh, Joshua a better boxer. I kind of feel like he gonna get, win his titles back, and then uh, they're gonna be talking about home versus Wilder again. Okay, okay, okay. The whole boxing world, of course, will be tuned in for that one, December 7th in Saudi. And uh, just finally, before I let you go, Shakur, I just really want to give you an opportunity just to send a message to your supporters over here in the UK. I know that you've got tons and tons of them. We all want to see you become world champion in just a matter of days now. Uh, What's your message, though, to the guys over here that pull for you in this fight and all the others? Uh, Keep tuning in. Uh, Shakur Stevenson is going to take over boxing. Can't wait to become a world champion and if I can I would definitely come over to England for y'all and beat up on Josh Warrenson for y'all so uh, thank you and uh, just keep tuning in keep tuning in for sure listen Shakur it is always a pleasure speaking with you my friend best of luck out there on October 26th and the next time we speak God willing I'll be speaking to the very new WBO featherweight champion of the world yes sir Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Ayaz, what you got? Carl Frampton will fight Tyler McCreary on the on November the 30th on the Oscar Valdez undercard at, at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. Yeah, Carl Frampton, I think, kind of co-main event in with Oscar Valdez. Um, when the press release got sent, it said Carl Frampton and, and Oscar Valdez headline a uh, super featherweight fight card or something like that and it it made me think wow they're fighting each other brilliant fight but no Oscar Valdez takes on Andres Gutierrez um, a guy that we know for for, for fighting Abner Mares and getting beaten by him um, got a couple decent wins since then but you know a guy with an inflated record to a degree I'm not saying he's overly padded but that's 
That's um, Oscar Valdez's fight. And then, of course, you mentioned there, Carl Frampton, 26-2 and against Tyler McCreary, 16-0 and with one draw. Um, it, I don't know, you know, you look down his record again and it's just, it's not the kind of guy we want to see Carl Frampton in with. You know, Carl Frampton as well, I'm, I'm pretty surprised he's even getting up for a fight like this. Um, Carl Frampton was supposed to have that that fight, I suppose. That was was a drop down in level in in was it Philadelphia where that that thing in in the hotel the ornament fell on his hand. So um, that was a, a kind of keep busy fight because obviously he's coming off that loss to Warrington and it didn't happen. So perhaps we'll give him a pass. Here he is fighting an undefeated guy, but you know it's it's just not the opponent we want to see him in with. You know, and he's a guy Frampton who I think has numbered days, if you like. I think his days are numbered. I want to see him in the big fights. I want him to kind of cash out, if you like, before he before he you know gets you know a few a few too many fights and and looks horrific and kind of tarnishes the end of his career kind of thing. Um, I would have liked to see him take on someone like an Oscar Valdez. I would have liked to see him in there with someone like a, a kid Galahad, someone like. Um, even a Scott Quigg rematch, you know? Where's Scott Quigg, by the way? What is he doing? He seems like he's just disappeared off the face of the earth. Anyway, um, yeah, it is what it is. It's, it's part of the news. I feel like I'm really negative recently. If I'm being negative, tweet me on Twitter and just let me know. Am I being too negative? Do I need to change? Let me know. <laughs> Thanks for that piece of news, Ayaz. What's next? Okay, the next news is that... Uh, where is it? Somewhere. Michael Condon will face Vladimir Nipkin uh, on December the 14th. At Madison Square Garden. Yes, um, that that of course is the rematch from the Olympics. It was supposed to happen earlier this year, I believe. It was Nicotin, and then of course Nicotin pulled out. The fight couldn't happen. I think it was the one. Was it the one in in uh, in Was it the one in Dublin? It might have been the one in Dublin, I think. Or um, was it Dublin, or was it? Um... Uh, it was meant to happen in Belfast. Belfast, yes, you're right, Northern Ireland, yes. So, yeah, it didn't happen. He ended up fighting someone else. Can't remember who it was now. And, uh, yeah, the rematch is on. So, hopefully, uh, hopefully Conlon can, you know, can right the wrong and avenge that amateur loss. Richard Comey will face Tiafemi Lopez on that same card. Yeah, Richard Comey, um, Tiafemi Lopez, hoping to get... Um, Tiafimo Lopez back on the show at some point in the near future. I don't think it will be this week. Um, it will probably be next week. I've reached out to his people anyway, so he might end up on the end of this show, but probably not. Um, yeah, so we'll try and get him on perhaps next week or something like that. And Terrace Crawford with both Edgar Diaz Cavalaskis. Uh, yes, very good fight, you know. Cavalaskis um, obviously didn't look brilliant against... Um, who did he get the... Was it a draw? I think he got with um, with Ray Robinson, the guy that Josh Kelly got a draw with. Um, was it a draw he got with Robinson? I think it was, yeah. So that's his one kind of minor blemish. Other than that, though, we, we, we saw against Josh Kelly how awkward Ray Robinson is. You know, no one gets an easy victory against him um, or, or, or an, easy, an easy night's work, really, you know? Your Dennis Ugas did beat him, he did stop him, but other than that, you know, he's he's a he's a rough, tough kind of character from the streets of Philadelphia. And um 
It's hard to look good against him, but you know, you've got to look back in Kavalowski's career to perhaps David Avanesian, that fight there, you know, when he absolutely destroyed David Avanesian. And we saw David Avanesian destroy Kerman Leharaga for the second time the other week. So David Avanesian is is a true, true top fighter. And what Kavalowski did to him was just quite unbelievable, you know. So if if he's on his A game, he provides a tough fight to Crawford. I think it will be quite tactical, but obviously you can't can't really pick against Crawford, who's arguably the best fighter in the world right now. And that's it for the news. Okay, thank you very much. I as moving now to the preview part of the show. Only two cards to mention. This one happens tomorrow at the Leah Chorus Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, USA. Uh, two fights to mention on the bill. Louis Calazzo, former world champion, 39-7, and seven, takes on Quadratio Abdu Kakarov, who is now 16-0. and 0. Um, I think that's some kind of eliminator, actually, for for a welterweight title. That's a 10-rounder there. Uh, top in the bill. Friend of the show, Alexander Gvozdik, now 17-0. He takes on Arta Baturbiev, 14-0. It's for the, uh, the WBC World Light Heavyweight title, which belongs to Gvozdik. And, of course, Baturbiev puts his IBF World Light Heavyweight title on the line. It's a unification fight. It hasn't been picked up at the minute by any British broadcasting channel, which is a complete, complete joke, to be honest. It is arguably um, one of the best fights of the year. You know, it's two undefeated champions putting their belts on the line in a unification. Both guys are knockout artists, and it's just not on TV, but we've got other terrible shows that are getting on TV. It is ridiculous that this fight hasn't been picked up. Box Nation need to get fights like this. I don't know what's going on over there. Um, it's a top-ranked show, by the way, and um, it's just a completely brilliant fight. Obviously, Ar- Arta Baturbiev, every single person he's boxed as a pro, he's knocked out. Um, Gavozdik is a, is a step up in class, though, for him, as is um, a step up in class, really, I suppose, for Gavozdik. This fight, I mean, he, he obviously holds the the win over Adonis Stevenson, but that was a fight that people have got a bit of a blurred memory about, you know. Yeah, he did beat. Adonis Stevenson, but he was losing the fight on the cards that night. You know, he did get the stoppage in the 11th round, um, not taking anything away from him. He weathered a bit of the storm himself. He lost a few rounds there, like I say. He took some punishment. It was a gutsy, gutsy, gutsy performance from Gavozdik. He showed a lot of character there. But then again, Arta Baturbiev, you know, he's been down before. Um, Callum Johnson really, really provided a test for him, and he got him out of there. So Baturbiev is tough as nails, and he takes on the now. So I love this fight. Gavozdik, obviously, nicknamed nicknamed the now. Um, it's a it's a brilliant fight. Like I say, fourteen knockouts from from I from from both guys. Fourteen knockouts from seventeen wins for Gavozdik, and like I say, Baturbiev, fourteen and over fourteen knockouts, twenty eight knockouts between them. Someone you'd you'd expect is going to sleep, but I tell you what, I've just got this feeling that it goes points, which is which is incredibly unpopular. Um, I'm going to say Gavozdik wins on points, but I've changed a few times this week. At first, I thought Baturbiev might get the knockout. Now I'm leaning to Gavozdik on points. The listeners, though, they disagree with me. They are going with, let me just quickly check, they're going with a... Oh, no, yeah, they're going with a Baturbiev knockout, which is what I thought originally. Ayaz, how do you see the fight playing out? Gavozdik and Baturbiev, two complete beasts at 175. Obviously, we know Baturbiev is a knockout artist, so is Gavozdik. So if I'm going to go with it, I'm going to go with Gavozdik to win on points, because I think, I think he's, the, he's, the next, uh, he's the next big thing. 
Okay. Well, he's a, he's a pretty big thing at the minute. Obviously, working real well actually with Teddy Atlas. It's it's interesting how that partnership's working out. Uh, you know, really well by the looks of it. Really, really seems to be working for both guys there. Um, oh, that's that's just a cracking fight. I'm so annoyed that it's not on UK TV. I mean, what is going on? What are Box Nation doing? I used to love Box Nation. The only reason I had a TV in my house was for Box Nation. They've just gone downhill so much. This was their kind of fight. They would have definitely picked this up if it was three years ago. Come on. Um, and the final bill to mention, it's on Sky, of course, at the Newcastle Arena in the UK on Saturday night. Um, on the undercard, definitely one to watch over here, John Doherty, 6-0. and No opponent just yet, I believe. Um, he, he, I think, trains out of the Sims gym, you know, um, uh, with, with Tony Sims and Peter Sims. I think he trains out of there. Very, very good fighter, by the way, John Doherty. Also on that bill, Savannah Marshall, 7-0. and I thought it was supposed to be a like a world title eliminator for her, but her opponent hasn't been announced just yet, so perhaps that's fallen out of bed. That would be a, a real shame there for Savannah Marshall. Um, Peter Fury had some aspirations of her fighting for a world title before the year was up when we had him on um, a month or so ago. That seems like it's probably not going to happen here. Um, Joe Laws is on the bill as well, 7-0. He's been talking on um, a few YouTube channels about he wants to beat up Devin Haney. Interesting. Uh, great, great fight on the undercard. There's the, the three main fights are brilliant fights, but let's start with this one here that's getting the least recognition of all. Lawrence Osieki, I think that's how it said, Osueki, 9-0. He's in a 10-rounder against Ricky Summers, 16-2. and Could be very interesting there. Osueki will definitely... Um, will will definitely be made to answer some questions. You know the record, brilliant as it as it is at the minute, but it doesn't, of course, have the names that Summers has on there. I mean, his two losses are the big names, Andre Sterling and Frank Buglioni. But you know, he put up a good fight in both of those losses, so it should be real interesting there. Osueki, if he's the real deal, will win the fight. Ricky Summers, unfortunately, a little bit of a gatekeeper, really that kind of domestic sort of level. Um, these two fights we've gone to the predictions on, as I'm going to come to you first here. Ted Cheeseman, 15-1 and one with one draw. Scott Fitzgerald, 13-0. and oh. The champion Cheeseman puts his British super welterweight title on the line over 12 rounds. Talk to me, Iaz. Brilliant fight. Um, I think this is a brilliant fight, obviously. Uh, Scott Fitzgerald and Ted Cheeseman. But if I'm going to go with a winner, I'm going to go with Scott Fitzgerald because I think after beating that uh, Anthony Fowler, after they beaten Anthony Fowler's just stock has risen, and obviously a lot of people start to realise it's Scott Fitzgerald. And I'm, if I'm going to go with him, I'm going to go with Scott Fitzgerald to win on points. Scott Fitzgerald on points, okay. Um, the listeners are going with Scott Fitzgerald by KO. Um, I can't see Scott Fitzgerald. I can't. I can't see Cheeseman getting knocked out. I can't see him getting knocked out. He's a tough, tough guy. I can't see him getting knocked out in this fight. Uh, Fitzgerald does punch. Um, you know, I, I can see Cheeseman sort of stupidly walking forward and, and you know, walking on to big shots throughout the fight. So I do lean to a Fitzgerald points win. But at the same time, Cheeseman's got that, you know, that constant pressure. And even though Fitzgerald... 
you know, he, he beat Anthony Fowler. It was a great fight. It was very, very close. The knockdown seemed to play a part, I think, on my card at the time. He seemed to be really, really ran out of gas at the end of that fight. And I just think Cheeseman's going to put the pressure on him big time, as he always does. So he needs, he really needs to make sure he keeps some some fuel in the tank for those late rounds, because it could get quite bad for him. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm giving quite an in, in-depth breakdown here. But I think Cheeseman puts on the pressure. I think Cheeseman has a lot of success in the late rounds. Not sure it'll be enough, though, to beat Scott Fitzgerald and, and, and to get the decision, but um, I'll be trying to score that fight round by round, so I'm going to I'm gonna whip in my own scorecard next week if it does end up going the distance. Um, I think it probably will. Um, if I have to say something, if I have to commit, I'd probably say Fitzgerald on points or Cheeseman by late KO. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That is what I'm saying. Cheeseman puts the pressure on that you know, you need to you need to be fit as a fiddle really to 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 last that long, you know, because he'll keep coming forward all night long, and um, you know he was only beaten by the Spaniard. Uh, forgot the guy's name for the minute, Sergio Sergio Garcia, I think it was. Only got beat by him, and that guy had amazing feet. I don't think Fitzgerald's got feet like him. Uh, you know, you need to be a good mover. You need to keep him keep him at bay, kind of thing. Uh, Scott Fitz. Uh, Cheeseman, I keep getting them confused. You need to keep Cheeseman at bay. Should be a real hard task. Very, very interesting fight. Fight of the night, actually, I think, on that card. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go Fitzgerald points. And you you also said the same thing, Laz. Um, and and the main event, of course, Lewis Ritson, 19-1, headlining again in front of his home crowd. He takes on Robbie Davies Jr., completely identical record, 19-1. It's a 12-rounder. Ritson hasn't looked his complete killer self since moving up to 140. Robbie Davies Jr., a massive 140. I think the size factor comes into this fight a bit. Um... Robbie Davies Jr. though had a hard fight against Glenfoot. Obviously got stopped by the the Polish guy. He come back and knocked him out though, didn't he, in the rematch? Um not sure if, if that was at one three five or one forty now looking back, the Polish the Polish saga in Robbie Davies Jr. career. Um but yeah, I think the the size factor is 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 a little bit key here. I think Robbie Davies Jr. has a lot of success late on. Um, I think he'd probably agree with me, to be honest, if he was sat here right now next to me. Ritson always starts fast. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Ritson starts like in this fight. Will he, will he try and start fast and possibly empty the gas tank early, trying to get the big finish? Or will he not? You know, Will he pace himself, which he hasn't done very well You know, in, in prior fights? Ritson could end up stopping him early, but I just, I don't know, you know, I'm not too sure about that one. I think Ritson's the tougher of the two. I think Ritson's probably the bigger puncher of the two, but Robbie Davies is just bigger, and he's probably got a bit more experience, really. It's a brilliant fight, that fight, because, again, Ritson's only loss came at European level to Patera. Patera's a good fighter, to a, to a degree, you know? That's a tough fight, man. That is a tough, tough fight. I'm going to, oh, man. Do you know what? I'm going to go Ritson by knockout. I think I've chopped and changed as I've been chatting. I've, I've convinced myself. I think Ritson stops him. I think... Oh, I don't know. Uh, sorry, I'm just going to go with a Ritson stoppage. I'm so indecisive on that one. I want to say no already. I want to say that Robbie Davies beats him on points. Oh, hang on. Let me, give me, go on, Ayaz. I'm going to throw it over to you real quick, and then I'm going to decide myself. The listeners are going with a Ritson KO. They're going with Ritson by KO as well. Yep, if I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna agree with the listeners. I'm, I think I'm gonna go with 
Lewis Lewis Ritson to win by a knockout. I tell you what, then, just to be different, you're going with with Ritson by KO. So are the listeners. I've I've flipped and flapped. I've I've uh, I've chopped and changed. I've gone left and gone right. Gone up and gone down. I tell you what, I'm gonna go with. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I've, I've changed more. <laughs> I've changed my my opinion so many times on this fight. I'm gonna go, and I'm 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 completely going with this. I'm locking it down now. I'm not gonna change from this point onwards. Robbie Davies Jr. on points. That's what I'm saying. Robbie Davies Jr. on points. I think he probably will have a few moments written where he checks the chin of Davies Jr. a couple of times, perhaps. But I think all in all, Davies Jr. will probably weather the storm and end up winning on points. I think he's strong. Um, his, his, his stronger moments probably happen in the later rounds, Robbie's, Robbie Davies Jr. So I'm going Davies Jr. on points, making it a little bit different from you guys. We don't all want to keep going for the same thing, all three of us, myself, uh, you guys and the listeners. But um, yeah, that is about everything for the preview part of the show. Just before we wrap up the show entirely, the last thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former world title challenger. It is, of course, Mr. Joseph Jojo Diaz. Joseph, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. No problem whatsoever. It's great to have you here, Joseph. So, 30-1 and now as a professional, obviously still with the aim of becoming a world champion in the in the very near future. Joseph, take me back to, um, to, to September 2016, you know, when you became the first and only man to stop Andrew Cancio, a man that currently holds a world title. Yes, I was. Uh, it was actually a really, really tough fight, and it was a fight that uh, Boy and myself and um, my manager Ralph Heredia really wanted to test myself, and we wanted to, you know, showcase to everybody that we wanted to take uh, tough fights and to prove to everybody that. We're not just, you know, taking the easy fights. And with me and, and my team, I wanted to always challenge myself and, and fight the toughest fighters. And just to prove to everybody that I'm a, I'm a good fighter. And not only that, just uh, just to uh, make myself feel more confident in everything after I did win him. So, uh, I mean, when we fought, he was a tough fighter, applied a lot of pressure. Uh, but I just uh, had I used my boxing abilities and I was just able to, you know, I'll outsmart him and I'll box him, and I felt like I was just uh, the the better fighter that night, the quicker fighter and the more elusive fighter. And um, I seen that I hurt him early, but I didn't want to, you know, press on the on the gas right away because I seen that he he is a very durable fighter. So I wanted to just take my time with him and just break him down slowly, and that's what I ended up doing. And in the last round, I started applying a little more pressure. I I messed up his nose and. The corner ended up just stopping it because he just couldn't get to me or anything, and I ended up just um, just beating uh, him up pretty bad. And they ended up stopping the fight. Now he's a world champion, and uh, uh, unfortunately, I'm not a, ch- uh, a champion yet. But I'm striving to uh, to be world champion. I'm working really hard, and I know my shot's coming in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, looking down your record today, I'd forgotten almost how deep your resume is. I mean, you've boxed some really good fighters pretty much every fight for the last three years or so. Um, Obviously, the biggest of all those fights mentioned came in May 2018 against Gary Russell Jr. Obviously, you must have been upset to not win, but I'm sure that you must have learned a hell of a lot from that fight because Gary Russell Jr. really is one of the most talented fighters in world boxing. And although he won the fight, you didn't disgrace yourself it was a very competitive fight for such a big step up at the time from you 
Yes, it, it actually was. And uh, like you said, um, my record is, is not padded. I've fought a lot of tough fighters and um, a lot of guys with the experience. And when I was going into the Gary Russell fight, I thought I had all the tools and all the abilities to overcome him. Yeah, he's fast and yeah, he's a world champion, but I was I was I was hungry and I knew that I could overcome him and beat him. But um, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, things didn't turn out as planned. Um, I was applying a lot of pressure. Uh, his speed is incredible. I mean, he hits he he don't hit hard, but he keeps active. And with his speed, it just keeps you second guessing when he's putting a lot of hands on you. So it kind of just blinds you and kind of makes you. Uh, uh, sidetracked it from the actual from your actual plan and from actual, your actual goal because you don't want to be hit, getting hit and he's applying all that pressure but with me um, I feel like I could have overcame him I feel like I, I honestly could have beat him and that's that's what gets me down and, and out and really down on myself because I know that I'm the better fighter I just really didn't perform as I as I should have I didn't take the risk and the chances that I should have done knowing that it was a world championship fight and knowing that um, I, I mean I, I was Ever since I was a little kid, I was looking to uh, to become a world champion, and I feel like I, I just I didn't I didn't have the uh, I I didn't take it to the next level, and um, he I I just fought the same fight. I didn't adjust, and I wasn't able to you know land the body shots that I wanted to because the referee would separate us right away. So overall, it was just it was just a great learning experience for me. Um, I tasted defeat already, and now I'm never gonna taste defeat again. I'm I'm very hungry, and I'm very motivated to become the champion that I'm going to, um, that I'm, I'm destined to be. And whoever, whatever champion it is, I'm going to fight next. I will be champion. I, I will overcome them. Uh, Gary Russell, he's a hell of a fighter. I wish him nothing but his utmost respect. And um, I wish him nothing but the best in his career. And uh, yeah, I just think, I just thank God for giving me the opportunity. And I just know it was a learning experience for myself. And again, obviously, you went right back in for another world title shot after that against Jesus Rojas. Obviously, you won the fight but failed to make the weight, uh, so you were ineligible to win the title. You were only overweight by half a pound. It's such a small amount of weight. I'm guessing you must have been totally dried out. You must have been gutted. Oh, I, I was. It was it was insane, man. Uh, that it was really, really hard for me to make to make 126 pounds. Um, I barely, I literally, when I when I fought Gary Russell Jr., um, I was in the sauna nearly 10 minutes before the weigh-ins, uh, trying to make the weight, and I was shadow boxing, and I was weak and fatigued. And um, right when the weigh-in started, I jumped out of the sauna, jumped on the scale, and I was 126 on the nose, and I just ran to the ran to the weigh-ins and made the weight with Jesus Rojas. Um, I was planning on moving up in weight. I was already planning on, but uh, Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy Promotions gave me another opportunity to fight for a world cha- uh, title and to be a world champion. So uh, me and my team, my, myself, I just decided to, you know, battle it through, battle making the weight and try to, try to make 126 pounds one more, one more time so I could, I could become the champion. And I know that it was an opportunity uh, that Golden Boy and them put in front of me. So I really wanted, you know, not to let them, let them down or anything. And, I had a really successful training camp. Um, the week, the week of the fight, I was about five pounds over, and I was making weight good. But um, I had, I didn't have any body fat in me. I, I couldn't sweat anymore. And the last, literally the last day before the weigh-ins, I was 127. I was just one pound over. And usually I sleep off the pound, but for some, for some, for some reason, I just was really, really stressed. Was dehydrated, and I couldn't sleep. I was just uh, up thinking uh, the whole night thinking about the fight, thinking about drinking, thinking about the liquids, and just extremely, extremely dehydrated. So 
I only got me like two hours sleep. I woke up the next day, the day of the weigh-ins, and I uh, was 126.8. I only lost two ounces, and <clears throat> it was just it was just really bad because I had my team come over, uh, my my strength and conditioning coach, and I called my manager and I called uh, everybody just to let them know what was going on that I'm still eight ounces over. What should we do? And with I, it was my my fault uh, by choosing this. I should have just went to the sauna and I actually make make the weight again, but. Um, I decided to do something completely different, something I never done before, and uh, I did the Epsom salt bath. They said that the Epsom salt bath really uh, knocks out the, the the last few pounds. It just makes you extremely weak, but I can make the weight, and I won't have to, you know, suffer as much. So I had my 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 team put the Epsom salt bath and everything with me, and um, I was in the I was in the Epsom salt bath for about 15 minutes, and. Uh, they uh, right when uh, my my coach was like, yo, like when you try to get up, your legs are probably gonna be weak or something like that. So just be careful because you're gonna get high headed. I was like, okay. So when I was when they were trying to lift me up, I literally I was I was done. I collapsed. I passed out. I hit my head on like on on the tub, and they carried me. They were fanning me. They were putting ice packs on me and everything. And I was just really really I was I was like practically almost like I was gone, man. And uh, it was it was it was it was it was a tough time for me at that time, and I just told them I still wanted to make the weight, so I was like, let let me see how much I weigh. So I go I go and I check my my weight, and I only lost two ounces. I was one twenty six point six, and I was extremely extremely dehydrated and weak. I couldn't even get up. I couldn't move or anything like that. So I ended up telling my team that I'm not gonna be able to make the weight. Everybody agreed. We went to the weigh-ins, and I was trying to make a. a a poker face, not to show everybody how 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 weak, how how um how hurt, how dehydrated, how thirsty I was, and I was just I honestly just like putting up a front, uh, smiling and everything like that. When I got on the scales, I was six ounces over still. Um, the uh, golden boy and my team came up to me and told me, do I want to try to make the weight again? I told them, yeah. So they gave me an hour to actually try to make the weight. I was still weak and stuff, but I went to the I went to the 24 hours uh, in downtown LA and I got in the sauna, was sweating. I started shadow boxing a little bit, then I got in again and I was when I got in, I started sweating a little bit. But the thing was, I was already dehydrated where I, all my nerves just started crunching up. I was in the sauna and my my fingers just started uh, crunching and like clenching together, and I I couldn't move and I I started like going into like a a weird, a weird state. Uh, my body just wasn't functioning anymore, and I screamed for, I screamed for my team, I screamed for help, and they came in and they grabbed me and they took me out, and uh, I just told them like, man, fuck that. Like my health is more important. I'm not gonna fucking be jeopardizing, jeopardizing my 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 my, my life or anything like that anymore, especially if I'm in a fight still. So um, I ended up going back to the thing, and I was only four um, point four ounces over, but. Uh, I didn't make the weight, and I <clears throat> Jesus Ross wanted to cancel the fight because the WBA organization, when you're a champion and the opponent don't make the weight and you make the weight, you could just keep the check and you don't have to fight. They give you the fight check still. So he was already guaranteed his fight purse. So he was like, "Why would I fight? Why would I fight you if I'm gonna be guaranteed the fight purse already? I mean, I did my job, you didn't do your job, and all that stuff." So. He ended up coming into like he ended up being like a business and like a complete asshole. Him and his team and they're like, where if uh, we'll only fight you if we get fifty percent of your purse. And at that time I wasn't making as much, 
And um, I just I agreed I agreed to all the terms. I let him take the fifty percent of my purse. I let him do all that stuff because at the end of the day, I know that it was my fault that I didn't make the weight, and it was such a big event in LA. I really had a lot of people looking forward to the fight and stuff, so I don't want to let anybody down, and I still wanted to showcase to everybody that I I could beat the guy and, and that I should be champion. So I tried to rehydrate as much as I could. Me and my father and stuff, we. We rehydrated. I got rest. Everybody wanted me to cancel the fight still, but I still wanted to just prove to everybody I was going to be okay. Um, I ended up going into the fight, and I just adjusted, man. I knew that my body was weak. My In the first round, I could already just tell that. Like, whenever I would throw a lot of combinations, my body would just feel fatigued. So my strategy with Jesus Rojas, knowing that he is a uh, aggressor and, like, he likes to uh, – he's a puncher. Um, when I felt his punches, I was like, okay, he don't hit that hard. So I'm just going to – I'm just going to throw punches and bunches. Whenever he throws, I'm just going to tee off like five or six combinations, win the rounds, and then just get uh, just just win the rounds and just get out of this fight with ease. And, and that's what I did. I ended up just adapting, winning the fight. And uh, it was unfortunate that I wasn't champion, but like I said, it was a learning experience for me. And I'm very I'm very glad that all this happened to me because it just made me a stronger person, uh, a stronger person mentally, a stronger person. Uh, as a, as a fighter, it makes me want to be better. It makes me uh, take my job a lot more serious. And not only that, I, I'm fighting at a bigger weight now. So I have no stress making making 130 at all anymore. And, yeah, I just feel like everything – I just feel like God planned everything out and all that just happened for a reason. If I would have won Jesus Rojas, I probably would have had to defend it a couple times. And who, who would have known what happened – what would happen there? Uh, with my body and with my health and stuff like that. So I'm just, I'm just very fortunate and I'm, I'm happy where I'm at right now. And I know that my shot's coming again. And like I said, I'm, I'm training very, very hard. And now we, we're, we're going to be fighting for a road title at 130 and I'll, I'll be champion there. That is one of the most craziest stories I've ever heard, Joseph. Thank you so much for going in such detail like that. But that is, that is insane. I didn't know all of that. So, like I say, thanks, thanks for letting me know that. That's crazy. Um, you know, you mentioned there you've moved up to Super Feather, three wins out of three, including becoming the first man to stop Freddie Fonseca. Um, you kind of answered the question already there, but you you clearly feel a lot stronger and more complete at this weight, obviously. Oh, absolutely. I mean, at one thirty, I feel like. Uh... I'm at my best. I mean, I feel a lot stronger in there. Not only stronger, I feel more alert. I feel more elusive. My combinations are are flowing good, and I just, I just, I just feel like a complete fighter at 130. And I, I honestly think that uh, nobody could beat me at this weight when I'm at my best. And uh, um, everything else is going good. Like I said, I, I got past my my last fight. I, I got an injury in the first round. Uh, my last fight, I, I thought I broke my hand. I couldn't throw it as much, so. I was just jabbing, using head movement. It was kind of like a sparring match because I really couldn't throw my my left hand after the first round of my last fight. So I was just I was just in there trying to win the fight and try to win the round because I want to jeopardize my big fight with Kevin Farmer. So I just adjusted and had to do it. And now I'm getting arrested. Um, I will I will be fighting Kevin Farmer hopefully uh, early early or late January. So. I'm just making sure that my hand is 100%. So when I go into the fight, I have I have no doubt that I'm going to go and, and be victorious uh, come fight night. And obviously boxing is such a entertainment business. You know, there's there's lots of lots of things that boxers do to get attention. You know, it can be moves in the ring. It can be, you know, fast cars, crazy stuff like that. I know that you, you chose to dye your hair a pretty random color, Joseph. What was the reason behind that? And what actual color was it? Because it just looked like, um, with all due respect, something that my daughter would draw at nursery. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's funny, man. Yeah, it, it, my head, my head looked like a snow cone, uh, the finite, and then my last, my last part, I had like a cheetah print on my head too. So, uh, I just get the design because, uh, like at the end of the day, uh, I just love, I love doing the different things, and uh, I myself just feel like, uh, I just do whatever makes me happy, and um, I'm just gonna do whatever I feel is right, and and express myself and to show everybody that, I mean, you could, you could, you could do anything in life. I mean, you could be anything you want. Uh, don't let anybody criticize you or judge you. And that's, that's, that's basically what I did. And I also like uh reggaeton music and stuff and Jay Bablin and bad bunny are like one of my favorite artists, uh, in, in that, in that, uh, in that genre. So I really wanted to, you know, look, up, I look up to them and they always dye the hair crazy stuff. So I was like, man, I'm going to do this in the boxing, in the boxing community and, and start some, uh, start a movement. Hopefully I do. And, um, I did, I, I seen a couple of other fighters, young fighters and stuff start dying the hair and shit. So it was pretty cool that, uh, that, like I started that little trend. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. You mentioned there uh, this this fight with Tevin Farmer. It's a fight that you've been chasing for quite a while. Um, you know, there was there was a period where both camps seemed to want the fight, but we weren't really hearing anything um, in terms of advanced talks. There was no announcements. It looked like perhaps it's not going to happen. Um, I'm even a little bit surprised to hear you say it's 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 looking like happening in 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 the month of January. That's that's real soon. That's round the corner. What can you tell us? I mean, how advanced are we right now in negotiations? If you can talk, you know, about stuff like that. Yeah, uh, we're we're actually really advanced. We're actually uh, at the point of uh, they already Eddie Hearn already sent an offer to us, and uh, he sent the location, he sent the date, and um, we just haven't agreed on the offer yet. But we're agreeing on all the other terms, and I'm I'm happy where what date it is because I know that it's going to give me some time to actually be at my best. And uh, the location is good as well, and I just want my shot. So uh, things are just things are still uh, getting worked out as far as the numbers and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we're, we are going to fight, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take um, I'm gonna take them out, man. I really want to uh, prove to everybody that I'm I'm just I just want to fight the best, and I know that Tevin Farmer is the best at 130, and I want to challenge myself because that's what I do. I always challenge myself to the extreme, and I want to just. Uh, just not take any easy way out and not take any route or uh, easy route out. And I just want to challenge myself and fight the best. And I know Tevin Farmer, since Javante Davis moved up, I, I think he is uh, the best at 130 right now. So I want to, I want to uh, take his belt. And we are in negotiations. They already sent the offer and everything. So thing, the fight is going to happen. Um, now it's just a matter of uh, just uh, expressing it and letting letting the world know that the fight's going to happen uh, pretty soon. So maybe in a couple months, uh, a couple weeks. Uh, the fight is going to be finalized and yeah, it's going to be out on, on social media and stuff. Excellent. We cannot wait for that. Um, you know, Tevin's been on the show many, many times before. Um, what was it about Tevin that, that you just, I don't know, just wanted to fight him. It seemed for a long time. I mean, Javante Davis was at the weight at the time where you really wanted Tevin. Obviously you've got Miguel Bachel, another guy who a lot of people, especially from Mexico would say he is the number one at one thirty. What about Tevin just, just attracts you? Cause he's, he's a, he's a tough customer. You know, he's a guy that, that can box his backside off, uh, may not be the biggest puncher, but he's a real slick, slick, slick boxer. Um, not a, not a, a guy that you can really, you know, look good against too easily. No one really has done since he's started box, you know, taking boxing seriously, if you like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tevin's one hell of a fighter, but uh, that's the thing about me. I know that he's a good fighter, and I know that he's a good boxer, but 
I'm a I'm a really good boxer as well. When I'm at my best, I'm, I feel like uh, I'm unstoppable, and I feel like nobody nobody could beat me. And I honestly think that nobody has honestly seen the best Joseph Diaz yet. And uh, I feel like when I fight Kevin Farmer, um, people are gonna doubt me, and people are gonna underestimate me. But I'm gonna be a hundred and ten percent as far as physically, mentally, and just zoned and locked in. Because like I said, for me. Uh, Kevin Farmer, he's he's a champion and he's already succeeded and he's he's accomplished what he's want, wanted to accomplish and I know that he he has ambition to accomplish more. But with me, man, I already had two title shots. I had two opportunities to become a world champion. It's sink or swim for me, and I know that uh, I'm not gonna let this opportunity pass me. No matter what, no matter who who is in front of me from here on out, I'm not gonna let them uh, defeat me. I'm gonna do everything possible to 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 beat them. And uh, going into the fight with Tevin. Uh, we're gonna strategize, and we're gonna go into. We're gonna have a great, great game plan to overcome him, to beat, and to defeat him. And after that, uh, then I'll fight the other unified champions. I'm. That's that's what I really want to do. I already talked to my team and my management that once I beat Tevin or once I do become world champion, I want to face. I want to unify titles. I either want to unify with Andrew Cancio or Rene Alvarado, whoever wins that fight, and then uh, and then go after Jamal Herring himself. My my vision is to become. Uh, a two-time, uh, two-time unified champ at 130 by the end of 2020, and uh, and I'm not gonna stop and or or do anything. I'm gonna do everything possible to make that dream happen for me. And I just want to ask you, out of the you know the the champions right now, obviously you've got Farmer. You've said he is, in your opinion, the number one. Um, who is number two, three, and four out of Davis, out of Cancio, out of oh sorry, not Davis. He's moved up, as you say. Um, Cancio, Herring, and Bashel. Where do you rank those guys, two, three, and four? Yes, I think uh, I think Tevin Farmer is ranked number one due to his boxing skills and his ring IQ. I really think he's very slick and very smart in there, and he's and he's he's a slickster. He's a great great fighter. Uh, number two, I think it's Miguel Pachat. Miguel Pachat is very under the radar. A lot of people don't talk highly about him or anything, but he's he has uh, an awkward style. He's kind of rangy, but he hits hard, and he's and he throws. Uh, with bad intentions every single fight. So he's he's a hell of a fighter as well. Um, <clears throat> number three, I think it would be Jamal Hearing. Jamal Hearing is a is a, a fighter that I grew up with and I went to the Olympics with. And to see him drop down to 130 and see him working hard and stuff like that and improving uh, and seeing how <clears> – because <throat> he's a hard worker, <clears throat> I think that it's going to be hard for him to – to lose that title because of his his work ethic and number four I would go with Andrew Cancio. I think Andrew Cancio, he's a hell of a fighter. He's young. I mean, he's a hungry fighter, but I think he has a lot of flaws. And I think he he opens up uh, he 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 opens up too much. And I just think that uh, with the right opponent or a hard hitting opponent or a smart fighter, I think that they would they would overcome Andrew Cancio easy. So um, yeah, that's that's my rankings right there. I think it's. Uh, I think it's Kevin Farmer, then it's Mikhail Pachat, Jamal Herring, and then it's uh, Andrew Cancio after that. I love the way you answered that because I ask questions similar to this: Who do you think's number one, two, three, whatever? And people just say, "Oh, I think it's Jamel Herring and Dennis Bashel." But I like the way how you've broke down each fighter individually. That's a brilliant answer there. And um, yeah, you, you're you're right in saying, especially about Jamel Herring, to see him drop down and achieve, you know, a world title at 130 is a brilliant thing. Obviously, um, such a nice guy, Jamel Herring. Big. 
big uh, friend of the show on this show. Um, coming down to the last couple of questions for you now, Joseph. I, I'm going to put you on the spot a tiny bit here, but we like to ask this question to everyone that we speak to from overseas. Um, I don't know. Okay. I don't know if you know too much about the history of UK boxing, but I want to ask you: Who is your favourite UK fighter? It can be from any <coughs> era. It can be a guy that's still boxing today. It can be a guy who retired 150 years ago. If you know that much, <laughs> um, who comes to your who comes <laughs> yeah, to your mind when I ask you that question? <laughs> you know what? Uh, I think I think Joe Calzaghe is one of my favourite fighters. Man, he's he was undefeated. Uh, he he had his father training him just like me. Grew up uh, with his father training him, and he achieved a lot, man. He had a, a crazy, awkward style, and he was a hard worker, man. He threw a lot of punches, and uh, just his the way the way he used to dictate the pace inside every single fight. I mean, I mean, he fought hell of a fighters. He fought Bernard Hopkins. He fought, uh, I think, he fought Roy Jones too. And I mean, these guys are very, very good, slick, slick fighters and intelligent fighters, and. Joe Calazaghi, his awkward style and the way he would, he would deliver his punches and throw his punches in, in different angles and 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 very uh, he had a he had a great arsenal and he had great footwork and great ring generalship inside there and I just think that he was one hell of a fighter and uh, I I really respect him because he did his thing he he made his money he did all his accomplishments and then he got out of there uh, safe and sound and boxing is a very very tough sport where. It is. Uh, you got. You really got to invest all your money, and you really got to start doing things right when you do have that chance. When you do start making those big bucks, because well, when you're done, when it's all said and done, boxing is not. Boxing is only a temporary thing in in your life, and you got to make sure that your family and every, everything is well off, and your mental health is okay as well. And I feel like Joe Calzaghe did all that, and uh, I really respect him, and I know that he's. Man, he's he's one hell of a fighter, man. I think I'm gonna watch some YouTube videos of him tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's a very popular answer. A lot of people say Joe Calzaghe, obviously one of, if not the best fighters that's, that's ever come out of Britain. Um, and the the final the final real question for you. Um, I'm asking this again to everyone that we're speaking to over the last few weeks. Joshua vs. Ruiz. The rematch takes place in December in Saudi Arabia. Um, not many people pick Ruiz to win the first one, but after seeing how the first one played out a lot of people are now picking Ruiz to do the double and get the win once again um in the rematch how do you see the rematch playing out though uh the rematch is it's going to be very very tough I think it all depends on how Joshua is mentally uh going into the fight I honestly think that he wasn't right in the first fight and uh he did he he hurt Andy Reese but I think uh, he was giving Andy Reese too much respect and I think if uh Anthony Joshua goes in there extremely confident and and knowing that uh, he has a lot to lose, and that he's that he is the bigger fighter, and that he could overwhelm Andrew Reese if he applies that pressure and just, you know, bites down and, and lands a big shot. I think that he he could uh, overcome it and and take his titles back. But I think that if Anthony Joshua has that that doubt in him, uh, not even a doubt, but just in the back of his mind of him getting knocked down, of him getting hurt in the first fight, and he don't want to get hurt like that again or he don't want to get hit like that again, I think he's going to second-guess his uh, his abilities. And I think if he does that going into the fight, I think Andrew Reese is just going to go out there and, and do the same thing he did in the first fight. So I think it just all depends on, on Anthony Joshua's um, mental state going into that fight. Andy Reese is one hell of a fighter, and uh, he's overcame a lot of obstacles. Man, just to see him succeed like that, I, I really, I really am pushing for him to win again because he is a 
he's a Mexican-American, but his background and everything, man, just to see that he actually got got that dream going. He's the first first Mexican heavyweight to, to ever accomplish that goal. I mean, it's history in the making, and I'm very honored to just be living this and to, to be watching him perform. And so uh, I think it's going to be one hell of a fight, but I think uh, my personal choice is Andy Reese is going to win uh, probably late stoppage again. A fight we will all be watching. Uh, may the best man win, of course. And uh, yeah, just just a brilliant fight. One of the best fights of 2019. Um, the first one was a cracker, like I say, and everyone will be tuning in for that one. It's, it's, it's a brilliant way to end the year on a high if you like the heavyweight division. Um, and finally, Joseph, just before I let you go, have you got any closing words just to our listeners? Obviously, over here in the UK, boxing fans are almost famous for supporting real true fighters. You are one. I'm sure you've received tons and tons of messages and love from the UK. What's your message to your fans from over here? To, my, to all my fans in the UK, I just want to say thank you guys for all your support. And uh, I promise you guys I'm delivering you guys uh, very, very great fights now, man. Uh, I'm, I'm very hungry and I'm very eager to get back inside the ring and to become the champion that I am. And I really appreciate all the support, man. I mean, bo- boxing in the UK is very, very huge. And I really... I really love the fact that they all come out and support every single fighter, man. And it's just an honor that uh, knowing that I do got UK fans and I was in London for the Olympics and stuff. And I had a lot of love there and uh, I really appreciate all the support once again. And uh, thank you guys for having me on the show. And I'm really looking forward to delivering you guys some great, great fights in the near future. Okay, listen, Joseph, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Best of luck with what's next for you. I'll certainly be keeping my eyes peeled for an announcement real soon. Thank you for your time once again, and we shall catch up right after January. Sounds good, Joey. You have a good one, man. Thank you so much for having me. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, and this wraps up episode 209 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been Ayaz Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the Olympic silver medalist and the undefeated pro, Shakur Stevenson, and of course, the former featherweight world title challenger, Mr. Joseph Diaz Jr. Uh, The Prediction League currently stands at myself on the lead uh, or in the lead with 17 points. Ayaz and you, the listeners, are tied on 11 points. Well done to you guys for picking Warrington to win by KO. That was the only correct prediction from the entire weekend between all of us. So a point gained while myself and Ayaz sat in the same spot. Uh, this weekend, another three points are up for grabs, so best of luck with that. There has been one or two pieces of news break whilst we've been recording the show. Frank Warren has announced a card that will take place on November 30th in Birmingham. Um, Sam Bowen will defend his British title against Anthony Kakachi. The undefeated Lerone Richards takes on the undefeated Lennox Clark for the vacant super middleweight British title. Zolani Tete defends his WBO bantamweight world title against John Real Casemiro. That's the guy that actually knocked Charlie Edwards out on the Brook vs. Golovkin undercard. Uh, Chris Jenkins defends his British title against Liam Taylor. The undefeated Sam Maxwell fights the undefeated Connor Parker. And the undercard will also feature... The young undefeated prospects, Dennis McCann and Shabazz Masood. What a night of boxing that's going to be there in Birmingham. Unbelievable fights there. All on one card. And 
I hate to do it, but we we do end the show on a on a real sad note. The sport of boxing has lost yet another warrior in the year 2019. I'm saddened to say that Patrick Day, after being knocked out by Charles Conwell on Saturday night on the Usyk undercard, he has succumbed to his injuries and has passed away. Um, it is, of course, absolutely devastating. And although I didn't know Patrick Day personally, everyone I hear talk about him, they all say he was a real nice guy. So rest in peace from all of us, Mr. Patrick Day. And uh, I also send my support in this tough time to Charles Conwell, who obviously didn't want this to happen. You know, he's he's said a few times now he wishes he could go back in in, in time. He posted a real tear-jerking letter, actually, about everything. So, just want to say, God rest Patrick Day's soul. Uh, That is about everything, though, my friends. Enjoy the action this weekend. Stay safe, and we'll catch you all again next week. Thank you so much for listening.